This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Georgia Farmer and President of the American Farm Bureau Federation, Zippy Duvall. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with AFBF's Zippy Duvall, next. Today's Open Mic segment is brought to you by America's crop insurance industry, which is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. Providing individualized protection on more than 311 million acres of farmland, crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. In the dead of winter, farmers' thoughts and efforts are toward preparation for the season ahead. In Washington, AFBF President Zippy Duvall says it's also a new season with new leadership on Capitol Hill and in the White House and loads of discussion on climate policy. Duvall says they're prepared. Well, first of all, we recognized our responsibility a couple of years ago when and when we knew that climate policy was going to be a topic on Capitol Hill uh, and, and not knowing where the election would go. We didn't know which administration and which direction they would go with it. So uh, a couple of years ago, we started uh, putting together alliance uh, called uh, Farmers for Sustainable Future. And, uh, and that was put together to tell the farmer's story of all the stuff that we've been doing for decades to, to fight climate change and, and to protect the natural resources on our farm. Uh, and then we realized that we needed to broaden that and talk to the public a little bit. So we put some uh, really good stuff out there to talk about what farmers have already done. And then roll into this last year, 2020, we had the opportunity to come together with uh, not just organizations that we believe that believe like we do, but some that sometimes don't believe like we do and don't agree with us all the time, and come together on three major principles, and that was around market-based projects that are voluntary, uh, science, it be, all of them be science-based, and to, to capitalize on our community's resilience. Should we expect that everything that's going to be proposed on climate and climate-smart uh, policy is going to be good for agriculture, or are there some places out there where people might use climate to attack the agriculture that we know? We hope that it won't be an attack. Our effort is to make sure that whatever policies come through and requirements that they not be mandates that they be voluntary and our farmers can choose whether or not they want to participate in those programs and maybe expand some of the old programs that we already are familiar with so hopefully not but I, you know when you get away from agriculture there's a lot of things that can be done on climate that indirectly affects us so i, I think yes there are going to be some things that that that, that hit us uh in a bad way uh, and I, th- I think the challenge is, is is to keep everybody in the middle and not let them go to the extreme right or left with, with these policies, making sure it's good for rural communities, agriculture, and, and the future of our country. Well, there's a whole lot of difference between establishing a carbon bank that would reward farmers for farming practices and what some called a Green New Deal. 
those are both climate policies, but they are not the same with regard to rural America. Now, the Green New Deal goes way left, and that's what I spoke to. If we can keep them in the middle, talk about what's good for our economy and what's good for our farmers and ranchers, uh, that, that's going to be the challenge because the Green New Deal is very extreme, and we would not uh, support that. Do you think the climate policy we're going to see will come from the regulatory front or do you think it will come from the legislative front, or maybe both? I think we'll see some from both. Hopefully we can do it legislatively so that uh, the people that are representing our farmers, their, their uh, the Congress and Senators' constituents can have an input on that and be able to make sure it's good for our communities and our farmers. I wonder if you could flesh out for me just a little bit. I understand the Food and Agriculture Climate Alliance, 40 different proposals about how agriculture can be a part of the solution. What are some of the things that are being proposed or, or what are some themes that are being proposed that would, that would help agriculture, that would give an example for the things that we can do? Well, you know, there's 40 of those uh, recommendations, and, of course, I can't call out all 40 of them, but maybe I can bring your attention to uh, a few of them. Uh, building on existing NRCS programs that we already have that integrate new climate smart practices uh we think that would be one uh, of course all this i talk about we are pressing hard that it be uh, voluntarily and incentive based that it creates another avenue of income for our farmers uh, to review the fda process of getting more uh, feed additives approved uh, to uh, be able to use in feeding of livestock mm -hmm. to reduce uh, emissions from our animals uh, that you know that's not that that process is too long drawn out and too restrictive uh support re reducing barriers for new carbon markets so you know that's just an example of what might be out there in, in those 40 recommendations do we have verification that certain things that we're already doing are a part of the solution that are sequestering carbon at our, or are making a difference in the environment. You know, if we we are sequestering carbon, and that's one of the things that Farmers for a Sustainable Future do, is doing, and and what we at American Farm Bureau is doing is trying to explain to the Congress and Senators that hey, we've done a great, terrific job for decades now, and if you're going to recognize that, let's re not just recognize the new practices that are going to come out. Or and put on the ground, but the people that's already been out front doing it, no-till, uh, you know, there's so many things, you know, we talk about uh, precision application of manure. I've been doing that for years through a comprehensive nutrient management plan, you know. So, uh, yes, I, I think there are things that we're doing today in growing grass, uh, timber, uh, farms, uh, corn, and all those type plants are sequestering carbon. We, it should be recognized in the new uh, new policies. Well, when you think about the food sector, when you think about the forestry sector, and you think about the agriculture sector, those are three powerful forces that can have a lot to do with making a difference in, in our environmental uh, footprint. And that's exactly right, and all three of those sectors are involved in the food and agriculture uh, climate Alliance that are working with us on those recommendations. So we're coming full circle now and establishing the Biden team. Uh, Tom Vilsack, the nominee to be uh, our Secretary of Agriculture at the U.S. Department of Agriculture. What, what kind of relationship did you have with Mr. Vilsack when he served under the Obama administration? And, and, and have you had conversations about the direction of, uh, of the days to come? Yes, uh, 
Well, first of all, uh, Secretary Vilsack, when he was there under the Obama administration, was a great friend of American Farm Bureau. Unfortunately, my time at American Farm Bureau was only one year while he was serving there. So we didn't have a whole lot of time to really get acquainted, but we talked uh, often while while he was in, as secretary before. But since he's been secretary, he was at U.S. Dairy Export. Uh, he and I have met on multiple issues, including climate, and talked about it. And now he's back. And I tell everybody, if, uh, if President Biden had called me personally and says, hey, tell, give me a Democratic name that ought to be Secretary of Agriculture, Mr. Vilsack would have been the first name I called out. I am thrilled that he's there. He's done a good job before. He and I have a good relationship now because we've had time under our belt to work together. And I am really excited about working with him. And I think... Uh, Tom Vilsack has shown that his heart uh, is in helping rural America and farmers and ranchers. He's proven that, and he looks at the big picture, so I'm excited about working with him. I noted that he was active in farm programs and administering the farm bill that was there, but also I'm aware that he was uh, heavily involved in rural development. He was heavily involved in, in hunger and nutrition programs. He was a full-circle secretary. Would you expect anything less this time around? No, I don't expect anything less. If anything else, I think it would be even broader. He comes back from a, a U.S. dairy export, and he will he will admit to you right now that he comes back into this job with a lot better understanding of what trade means to American agriculture. So I think he'll, uh, one of my questions to him, will, will you appoint that trade undersecretary that, that was created by the last the, the Farm Bill two times ago? And he said, yeah, I'll fill that position, and I have great people there, and I have a different appreciation of the importance of trade in our, in our future. So, you know, he and I talked about COVID. We talked about Title I programs, and we talked about conservation programs uh we talked about expanding the uh, the, the uh, barring limits of uh, the ccc through, uh, through the secretary's office and how important that is for us to be able to do the things that this administration and this congress may want us to do in uh, uh, climate because uh, secretary vilsack told me he says i'm not going to do that at the expense of title one programs or or conservation programs he says we're going to have to do that with other monies. And so we need to expand that borrowing authority. Uh, it's, it's been at $30 billion too long. Uh, and if you put the economics to it, it should be somewhere around $68 billion. Do you have any insight into Michael Regan, who is the nominee for the Environmental Protection Agency? You know, I've had a couple of times. I've had opportunity to be in a couple of meetings with him. Of course, everybody needs to understand when you're nominated, it's not really good to do a whole lot of talking until <laughs> your your the process is done. So, you know, uh, but what I have learned about Mark, Michael Regan from from North Carolina and North Carolina Farm Bureau, that he's very well thought of. And what he's known for is allowing people to come to the table and share their ideas on things that he is considering and how it might affect them. What more can we ask? If he'll let us come to the table, tell them how these uh, decisions that he's going to make, how it's going to affect farmers and ranchers across the country, and consider that in his decision. Uh, I, I think that gives us great opportunities to find some opportunities uh, for agriculture and to maybe stop some things that might be detrimental to us. We've got a couple of bailiwigs with the Environmental Protection Agency, and, and one of those is the interpretation of how the Clean Water Act is determined. And there's that waters of the U.S., there's that Trump administration plan 
do you think this is coming back around again and and is it going to be easily solved well i think it is going to come back around i think they're going to look really hard at the uh, the ruling that was passed out uh, under the trump administration uh and we're going to be there to try to explain to them why things were done the way they were done hopefully we can minimize uh what might happen with that rule because right now we're very pleased with it uh and uh, it was interesting when i talked to Mr. Regan, when I brought up all the issues I wanted to talk to him about, he says, I knew you was going to talk to me about Waters of the U.S. And I said, well, just just lend me your ear for a little while. And he said, I will. With regard to the renewable fuel standard, the the way that the EPA has administered that program has brought some real ire among some commodity groups and the renewable fuels uh, uh, folks in, in the country. Uh, clearly there are some uh, issues there that need to be more clear in this new administration. You know, the first thing I say is our country turned to our farmers and ranchers, asked them to be part of the solution of our country becoming energy independent. And a whole infrastructure has been built in our rural communities all across the Midwest and all across our country in spots, even in spots where you didn't even expect them to build those infrastructures. And we made that commitment, and now 30 to 40 percent of our soybean and corn goes into that that infrastructure. Well, we got to make sure that this administration understands how important uh, renewable fuels are and the infrastructures around them. So it's not just farmers and ranchers; it's all our rural communities that are that are working out out and around that infrastructure. And it's crucially important that we find a way to move forward with their movement of being all electric cars but there's room we want uh, uh, we want consumers to have choice there's room on the highways for combustible engines and for electric cars and it is important to our rural communities and our farmers and ranchers that that message gets delivered and it is considered in the decisions that are coming forward Let's think just a little bit more uh, about some other issues that are important to agriculture and one of those is trade the Trump administration uh, pulled us out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership. I understand the Biden administration hasn't actually said no to maybe going back and taking a look at the CPTPP. What are your thoughts there? We uh, we did when we when we uh, President Trump pulled us out. Uh, we did not support that. We wanted to be part of TPP. Uh, you know, the Asian Rim is the growingest. Uh, sector of population in the world we need to have open markets there and us be able to sell into this so we're interested in knowing what the Biden administration is going to do moving forward with that because we want access to that market well we didn't see China live up to all of the phase one trade deal but they did come a long way and it certainly did make a big difference to the bottom line of a lot of producers what do you hope for from this administration and its relationship with China? Because clearly this isn't easy. Well, you know, we, we, we don't support tariffs in agriculture. Uh, most farmers don't like them. But we understood why the Trump administration had to go there. And the Trump administration lived up to their word and, and stood behind farmers and ranchers as we went through those difficult times. We want to make sure that the Biden administration holds the, the Chinese to the uh, agreement, the phase one agreement. Uh, and and to actually hold them accountable because the rule changes made in the phase one agreement, I, I'm told, is more valuable than the increase in price that we got uh, at the end of the year when they started buying uh, many, many uh, metric tons of uh, grain. 
but if we look, well, we had a record year last year of $28 billion worth of sales. No, it wasn't the 36 that was expected, but one of the worst uh, world economies and a pandemic going on. I think they've done pretty good getting to that level. So we want to see the Biden administration continue on that track. We're looking forward to their discussions with the U.K. We think the U.K. has a lot of the same beliefs that we have when it comes to animal care and the way we do agriculture over here. So we hope that they'll move in the same positive direction and be able to continue to expand those opportunities to trade. We've had this issue that has been ongoing in agriculture, and that's the need for immigration and adequate workers to be able to get the job done of U.S. agriculture. Any hope that 2021 and this 117th Congress and this administration can bring you any resolution here? Well, you know, Jeff, when I first got elected to this position in 2016, that was the very first question I got in a press conference. What issue would you take to Congress and try to fix if you got if you had the opportunity to go to Mar? And I said it would be labor, farm labor. So I continue to focus on that, and our staff does too. And and I'm a I'm a little bit excited that we there might be some opportunities there to fix part of our problems. We need a guest worker program that is a, a workable that that provides us with a good stream steady stream of workers that uh provides us a wage formula that is not only fair to the worker but is also fair to the farmer because we need to be able to stay in business and provide that job uh, uh, so it's got to be fair both ways and the formula that we have in awar does not do that and then of course there are workers on our farms that's been there for decades and they come here under a failed immigration system and they've been living in the shadows for decades. They need the opportunity to have some kind of adjustment of status so they can legally work and be able to have a family life without having to live in the shadows. So affordability, we, we need to have year-round workers. The H-2A program doesn't even allow dairymen to have a H-2A worker. I mean, we agriculture moves all the time, especially in the South. We never quit. But if you're daring in Wisconsin, you got to have somebody every day. We need year-round workers. We need it to be affordable. We need adjustment of status of our current workforce. How are we suffering by not having this resolved? What is it costing us, or, or how is it setting us back by not having this resolution? It's the biggest limiting factor American agriculture has. You know, I hear farmers all over America say, look, i got the land, i got the resources, i got the potential to do and produce more. And I got children that's coming out of ag school that wants to come back home, but I can't bring them back home and make a living if I can't find workers to produce produce more with. It it is the biggest limiting factor facing American agriculture, and it's something we've been talking about for decades. And I challenge every congressman and senator after we've been through this pandemic and realized Americans now that's so removed from agriculture just realized, hey, food's pretty important to me. And the farmers and ranchers that produce it, they're important to me. Congressmen and senators need to understand that we've been talking about this problem for three decades, and it's time to fix the farm labor problems because Americans don't want to come out on the farm and get dirty and get hot and work uh, long hours, uh, and and they're just not going to do that work anymore. And we have to have those great workers 
that are willing to leave their families and come here uh, and make a living and produce, uh, help us produce for the American people. On the cusp of the climate and climate policy that's coming to the debate in Washington, is this an opportunity for agriculture to make its case of our, our environmental stewardship and our role of, of providing food for the country? It is. The best way they can help us get that word out is go to a town hall meeting where a congressman and senator is there and say, this is what I've already been doing to protect our environment. No-till. I mean, uh, the technologies in our seed that helps to produce more and, and use less chemicals, uh, using less water. This, the list just goes on and on and on. And we need to make sure that we tell that story in front of crowds. They need to hear that story because they're hearing another voice, another voice uh, that doesn't understand what farming and ranching is really about each uh, day in and day out. Uh, but our farmers need to do a better job of telling the story. We're trying to do that through hashtag still farming and all the outlets that we have at American Farm Bureau and our state, state federations are doing the same thing. But now is the time to do it. Because now is when the general public has more interest in where their food comes from and how the availability is going to be for them in the future. Now is the time for us to tell our story. President Duvall, we want to thank you for taking time to be with us on this edition of Open Mike. You've been here before, and you have the last word today, sir. Well, I just want to uh, encourage everybody. I know we've come off a terrible year in 2020, and a lot of us have lost loved ones, and my heart goes out to all of them. But, you know, there's always hope. And that's what I love about farmers so much. They are always looking to that next crop, that next time that they get to plant, the next time they get to harvest, knowing that there's going to be tremendous challenges in a way. Well, life's no different. But at the end of the day, Jeff, God's in control. Whether it be an election or whether it be a crop or whether it be the next rain, he's in control. And we have to make sure that we do our part with his guidance to create a brighter future for our children and our grandchildren. And that's what we try to do at American Farm Bureau every day. I hope that if anybody out there hears me, I hope they'll take a look at us. And if they're not part of our Farm Bureau family, we welcome them to be part of it. Because we are, we are one of those 102-year-old uh, American organizations that stand up for people in rural America and the farmers and ranchers that grow the food and fiber and shelter that we all enjoy each and every day. Our thanks to AFBF President Zippy Duvall, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly. 